Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the OH I Know edition. This week, it's all about issue one. We're explaining how the proposed constitutional amendment flopped on election night, what the reaction has been both in Ohio and around the country, how its failure might impact abortion in November, and what other constitutional amendments we might see going forward. Joining me in studio this week is State House Bureau Chief Anthony Shoemaker. Hey, Anna, how's it going? Good. It's It's been a week. It has been a week. It's been a big week for the summer. And before we get into the very big week, I want to take a quick second and ask you to consider leaving us a review on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to Ope. It helps us share what we do with more people and I super duper appreciate it. So our first topic is the big news of the week. Even the big news kind of nationally, it made a lot of national news. It's the rejection of issue one by Ohio voters on Tuesday night. The plan to make it harder to amend the state's constitution lost 43 to 57 percent, which is not close. And I would like to point out is actually exactly what our Suffolk University poll predicted. Yeah, you love it when the polls are right. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't close. This is considered a major victory by any stretch of the measure. And, you know, even when you look at the numbers, right, like this ballot initiative overperformed Joe Biden. It overperformed how Tim Ryan did, like in places like Mahoning, in Butler, in Delaware County. Like It's interesting, too, how energized people were about something on the ballot in August. Oh, yeah. Turnout. That's the other big story of the night. I mean, you think 39 percent, I think, was final. Yeah. I mean, we had um, state house and Senate primaries in August last year. There was like seven percent turnout. So, I mean, the turnout for issue one was actually better than the May uh, turnout last year. Yeah, and that's when we had the U.S. Senate primary. Right. But yeah. This was the only thing on the ballot. I mean, people waited in line to go vote on one thing. This wasn't like you had a whole menu of things to vote on. Yeah, and that was one of the big questions going in was we saw a lot of early voting that seemed active, but we were like, well, does that just mean all the people who wanted to vote have vote? But no, there were big turnouts on election night themselves. I think we were just at like 10% early voting, right? And we got to almost 40. Yeah. You know, one of the counties that I thought was most interesting, and not just because I live there, but maybe a little (laughs) bit of bias, is Delaware County. It's the fastest growing county in the state. And, you know, Obama got 38 percent in 2012. Clinton got 39 in 16. Biden got 46 in 2020. And issue one was the same as the state. 57 percent said yes. So I think that says more about abortion in November than 2024. So we can talk about that a little later. But I do think it's interesting to see that suburban voters, especially in more affluent neighborhoods, like if you look at the numbers in Powell and like the southern portion of the state, like in that Olentangy school district, they were almost they were overwhelmingly no. Right. Well, that, you know, I mean, that's a, a county used to be reliably Republican, moving, moving toward Democrats. But, you know, it's a highly educated you know, yeah. county. It's a high income, high, high income property county. value. Yeah. yeah um, you know, as the Delaware County GOP uh, chair told Haley, our colleague who was the primary on this issue one coverage that, you know, it used to be more of a farming agricultural community. But now it's rapidly becoming like a community, a suburban community, sort of a bedroom community for Columbus. And that there's like some friction between those new folks that are moving into the big new houses and the farmers that have been there for generations. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that's also interesting about issue one is I think some people thought that like, you know, because, you know, the yes side was heavily endorsed by a lot of Republicans. It wasn't endorsed by all Republicans. I mean, you had people like former governors and former attorneys general who were 
Republicans came out against it. And if you look in some of those counties like Butler County and Warren County, where Donald Trump did really well, issue one barely passed. Our second topic is the reaction to the failure of issue one. Democrats and those from the no campaign obviously celebrated. Ohio Democratic Party Chair Liz Walters said Ohioans claimed a victory over out-of-touch corrupt politicians who bent against majority rule, who bet against democracy. You know, even President Joe Biden weighed in, saying this measure was a blatant attempt to weaken voter voices and further erode the freedom of women to make their own health care decisions. But reaction from the yes folks was kind of all over the map. It's, you know, how they say, Victory has a thousand mothers, but failure is an orphan. It seems to be no one wanted to uh, hold the bag for this one. You know, groups like Ohio Christian Alliance and Ohio Right to Life talked about the money that the no campaign spent, uh, made a note of like out of state money. And they, you know, said in some places that, quote, voters were deceived into voting no, which I thought was kind of an interesting take, right? Like you were tricked to making the wrong decision. Yeah, I thought that, you know, Governor DeWine's reaction um, to it was really telling. I mean, the guy's run for office and, you know, I think he said 15 or 16 times. So he knows something about campaigns. And he said, you know, when something goes down this big, it's not the campaign's fault. It was never going to pass. Yeah, he said, don't fault the campaign. Don't fault your strategy. It just wasn't going to happen. It wasn't meant to be. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting. You know, Senate President Matt Huffman um, who pushed this measure through, um, said that the amendment could come back. He said, you know, we may think about bringing it back in some form. And he also blamed that those other Republicans that you referenced earlier as one of the reasons why the measure failed is that, you know, folks like Betty Montgomery and former governors Taft and Kasich perhaps like muddied the waters in his opinion on what was happening with issue one. Yeah, but I also think that the, the no vote argument of kind of like one person, one vote, that means something to a lot of people, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. If you look in Northeast Ohio, like the Mahoning Valley, the Youngstown area, which has become pretty solid Trump country, they weren't buying it up there. No. And I think that'll be really interesting. I mean, there's a lot of like pontification going on right now. Like, what are that? Because when you look at the map, right, of what counties voted for this, what counties voted against it, it looked like the map that, um, you know, Sherrod Brown had when he won in 2012. It looked like the map that Ted Strickland had when he became governor. It looks like that that map that Democrats need to win statewide. And so but like, it's that dream Democrat map. That yeah. They used to have. When Northeast Ohio was bluer than it. Than it is. Yeah. And I don't know that it says anything about Sherrod Brown and 2024, but it is, you know, interesting to see that it, what it did say is at least that Mahoning Valley isn't lockstep GOP on all issues. Like they broke with, you know, they may be supporting Trump and they may still heavily be Trump folk, but they weren't going to follow the Republicans on this one. Yeah. But I mean, I think it also makes sense. I mean, when you look at the polling that we did, it showed, you know, about 40% of Republicans were against issue one. I mean, you think about it. I mean, a lot of Trump voters aren't, you know, supportive of Mike DeWine. They're not That's you know, fair, yeah. necessarily supportive of lawmakers in Columbus just because they're Republicans. You know, some Trump voters view other Republicans in power as the swamp kind of in Columbus. So they might not have been all for giving them power, you know, taking their, their vote away. Our third topic is abortion. There's been some rumblings that Ohio's Senate Republicans could come back in September and make changes to the state's heartbeat law ahead of the vote in November. 
Senate President Matt Huffman didn't say for sure whether that would happen, but Governor Mike DeWine doesn't think that's a good idea. He told reporters Thursday that it's too late for legal changes and their focus should be on convincing voters that the reproductive rights amendment is too extreme for Ohio. Yeah, I mean, you think about the the timeline they're dealing with. I mean, here it is already the middle of August. You know, early voting would start in October. You don't have a lot of time to pass an abortion bill before that. I mean, yeah. anything could happen. You know, we know from lame duck and whatever, they can pass things pretty quickly when they want to. But yeah. no, Governor DeWine doesn't sound on board with that. Uh, yeah, it was interesting because he has talked in the last year or essentially since the Dobbs decision and um, the 10-year-old girl who went to Indiana for the abortion made national news. He's talked about clarifying the heartbeat bill, right? Adding some like clear medical definitions for life of the mother, like perhaps even he won't say explicitly moving beyond the six week ban or perhaps like creating exemptions for rape and incest. But he seems to be hinting at that when he says like he thinks Ohio is going to get to a place where a majority of us will be comfortable with the abortion law that we have. Now, he doesn't think a majority is comfortable with the proposed reproductive rights amendment, but he sounds like he also doesn't think a majority is comfortable with the six-week ban that he signed into law, which is like a really interesting moment for him. But, you know, he said that he's been talking about making changes to the current law, which is on hold, by the way, in a federal court. It's all very complicated, right? So what he is essentially saying is, I wanted them to make some changes, before this right. got on the ballot. Now that it's on the ballot, I don't think those changes are going to impact the election. So we should focus on why this amendment is wrong for Ohio. You know, I actually spoke to another uh, Republican official on background who said that they are pro-life, but they would absolutely go to 12 weeks or a first trimester if they thought that would kill the amendment, but they don't think it will. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the polling shows, the, you know, the proposed issue would pass. Yeah, but obviously we've got three months. We've got a lot of money coming in, a lot of ads. I'm sure we're going to hear from Ohio Right to Life and lots of other folks on why they think this is too extreme for Ohio. Our fourth and final topic is basically what's next. Issue one would have made it harder to amend Ohio's constitution, not just for abortion in November, but for any group who wanted to put something before voters. So, for example, the unions in Ohio urged their members to vote no on issue one because there could be a vote in November 2024 to raise the state's minimum wage to $15 per hour. The Ohio ballot board earlier this year certified language submitted by Raise the Wage to um, begin gathering signatures. So they have to gather like 413-ish valid signatures to make the November 2024 ballot. And so that could be something that we see next year. Right. And you've also got redistricting looming out there. We've heard talk about possibly maybe even something on guns at some point. You know, that came up during the campaign for issue one. That, hey, it's not just going to be about abortion. It's going to be about these other issues. And you have to think that... Um, Ranked choice voting? Oh, yeah. That's that's a whole other episode to explain what that is and how it works. But if Democrats see issue, issue one's failure as kind of like it lights a fire under them, that this is going to be the way they can take on the legislature, we may see more of these kind of constitutional amendments going forward. Yeah. It's still hard to get on the ballot. Oh, yeah. It's not easy to collect all those signatures. And you have to get them from 44 of 88 counties. And there's a, like, if someone moves, it's no longer valid. And you can't go back to them and like right. ask them to fix it. You have to go find somebody else. It's the whole thing. But if issue one had passed, it would have become almost impossible. Yeah. I mean, that was the argument. 88 counties um, and no cure period. It would, have, it would definitely have been more challenging for right. sure and more expensive. But, you know, I think... What's really interesting is if you look at casino gambling, right, it came up and it failed and it came up and it failed. And finally, they figured out how to get it passed. 
But the legislature had, what, five, six years-ish to work on it while the casinos were trying to figure out language to pass to come up with something on their own, and they didn't. And I sort of wonder if with some of these issues, like the minimum wage got on the ballot in 2006. So it's already weirdly in our constitution because lawmakers hadn't raised it in almost 20 years. Yeah. And you have to wonder if, you know, and Frank LaRose and others have talked about this a little bit, like strengthening the initiated statute, you know, like making it. That's changing a law, not the constitution. But making it to where like lawmakers can't come back right after the public votes for something and change it. Like if, if that was to be maybe made stronger, maybe more of these groups would go that route instead of trying to change the constitution. Yeah, and I think marijuana will be a really great test case. It's uh, not official yet, but I I think it's very likely we're going to vote on it in November. And then it'll be really interesting to see what the legislature, um, who is largely opposed to legalizing recreational cannabis and the governor, too. It'll be kind of interesting to see how they touch that, how they maybe modify it. And like we'll kind of learn a lot about how they'll handle a law that they may ideologically oppose. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a good look if the public comes out and votes for marijuana legalization and then lawmakers try to do something to change it. So but it's going to be interesting to watch. And plus having both of those on the ballot the same day. That's also going to be really interesting. It's going to make the turnout very interesting. And one more thing before you go. While all eyes were on Ohio for issue one, a federal judge issued an important ruling on how transgender students can and cannot use school bathrooms. Bethel Local Schools, that's down in the southwestern portion of the state, was sued by a conservative group back in November over the district's decision to allow transgender students to use restrooms that align with their gender identities. This week, a federal judge dismissed that lawsuit, saying the district didn't infringe on the plaintiff's free exercise of religion and and allowing this kind of restroom access didn't violate their right to equal protection. Yeah. And, you know, that's becoming these, this culture war stuff that's going on. What's going to come up in the legislature when they come back? And whether, you know, this particular decision might inform that. So when we look at like the transgender student athlete bills that have moved through the legislature, they are on hold in many other states from federal judges who are working the way through the legal ramifications of it. So it is really interesting to kind of see with some of these culture war issues um, as they get passed and then end up like getting entangled in lawsuits. But then again, abortion did this for decades. Like the heartbeat bill, Governor DeWine signed that years before the Dobbs decision, knowing it wouldn't become law at the time. Right. I don't know, maybe a couple years from now, I think we could see transgender rights at the U.S. Supreme Court. It's possible. I think we absolutely will. I mean, it's kind of like, I don't say that abortion is in the rearview mirror at the federal level, but it's kind of, it feels like trans rights, gay rights, LGBTQ issues has kind of become the new kind of focus. And we saw it in the issue one campaign. Some of the advertising aimed at parental rights. Oh, we're going to see a lot of that between now and November. A lot, a lot. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Telegraph Forum in Bucyrus. Their website is bucyrustelegraphforum.com. That's B-U-C-Y-R-U-S telegraphforum.com. 